Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for your presence that is here. Thank you for being our teacher and is our Holy Spirit. I invite you into our midst. Lord, I pray that you will do a mighty work in the lives of your people. I come against all the forces of darkness and every demonic spirit that is warring against the hearts, minds, and bodies of your people. I bind them in Jesus' name. Take victory in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you will magnify Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Break every chain in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Break every chain in Jesus' name. Break every chain in Jesus' name. Break every chain in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you will do a mighty work, O oh Lord, this night. Thank you for what you've been doing. Thank you for the word that your people have already heard. I pray as you continue to speak to our hearts, O oh Lord. Work in us all the more, all the more, all the more. Lord, let your word be given to your people in an unhindered manner, and let your word be received by your people in an unhindered manner. I pray, Lord, that you'll circumcise our hearts and our ears at this time. Spirit of the living God, strengthen us. Magnify Jesus. Whatever you want to speak, Lord, speak to us. Whatever you want to speak, Lord, speak to us. Whatever you want to speak, Lord, speak to us at this hour. <clears throat> and I pray, Father, that you will reveal yourself to us in a special way. And I thank you, Lord. I praise you. Continue to minister to us your words of life, your truth that can set us free. On every level, wherever we need freedom, oh Lord, I pray, may your truth be sent to our spirits, our souls, to our bodies, in this hour, and set us free. Thank you, Father. And bring down the powers of darkness, the prince of the air, down right now, in Jesus' name, under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, and under my feet right now, in Jesus' name. Every opposition of the enemy that I see in the spirit realm, I bring it down right now, in Jesus' name. I ask for total clarity, Lord, at this hour. Let the presence of God flood the hearts of your people. Let the presence of God flood the minds of your people. Let the presence of God flood the souls of your people. Let the presence of God flood the spirits of your people. Let the presence of God flood the homes of your people. And I pray, invade us. Invade our space. Invade our territory. Invade this time, O Lord, in the name of Jesus Invade us, O oh Lord, in every way. Oh, Father, until we be completely consumed by you and lost in you, Jesus. Father, touch us, transform us through and through by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the work of the Lord God Almighty be thoroughly accomplished on this last day of fasting and prayer. May the word of God descend upon your people as you rain the manna from heaven. Father, I pray that you'll rain your word from heaven. 
in the name of Jesus. Let your revelation abound in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus. And every demonic spirit that tries to pervert the scripture and every demonic spirit that tries to twist the word of God, I curse those in Jesus' name. Take victory in Jesus' name. I ask you, Lord, may your people understand your truth the way you want them to understand in the name of Jesus. That your truth be given to your people in a manner that, Lord, is easily, easily received and digested, O oh Father, by their souls and their spirits in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Let us sink deep, Father, very deep into their spirits, O oh Lord that it may bring forth much fruit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' most precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to go into what God has, which I don't know what God has for us uh, today. But before that, we're going to go into the um, the passage that uh, the Lord spoke to us uh, from Matthew chapter um, 19, the, the young man, um, the guy who came to Jesus and who asked uh, Jesus this question, the man who came to Jesus, who came and asked Jesus this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I think this was a message um, that was given by the Lord um and if it was monday perhaps so um so we're going to go into that a little more um today and uh i'm going to go into all three passages um and we're going to see how the spirit of the lord is going to take us further to um give a um deeper understanding you know of what this actually means and what it is for us, what it was for the people living during the time, you know, especially for the people who came and asked Jesus this question, and um, what are the differences uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and uh, what God expected from the people in the Old Testament, and what God expects people from us who are living in the New Testament. These are things that the Spirit of the Lord will um, address tonight, and um, so um, we will go, we will begin with... Matthew first, and before that, let's just close our eyes and and pray this prayer that we pray usually. Lord, open my eyes to see your truth. Lord, open my ears to hear your truth. Lord, open my mind to receive your truth. Lord, open my heart to keep your truth. Let me be a doer of your word and not a hearer only. Let me bring forth much fruit to the praise and glory of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak, Lord, I will listen and obey. Speak, Lord, I will listen and obey. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, I come against every demonic interference and every demonic hindrance at this hour, trying to prevent your word from being given to your people. 
I curse it right now in Jesus' name, and I nullify the works of darkness at this hour, and I render the powerless at the foot of the cross. Go powerless at the foot of the cross in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh, Spirit of the living God, I release your presence right now this hour. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The earth-shattering presence of the Almighty God that causes mountains to melt like wax. Hallelujah. That causes the hind to calve. The, co- the presence of God that causes the cedar to split into half. Oh, I invite you, Holy Spirit, hallelujah. I invite your presence in our midst at this hour. That every opposition of the enemy be subdued right now in Jesus' name. Let it disintegrate and fall to the ground at the foot of the cross in Jesus' name. Thank you for doing this. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to read, what we're going to do is we're going to read from Matthew, and then we're going to read from Mark, and then we're going to read from Luke. That's how God is leading us right now. We're going to take all three passages, we're going to just read it. That's what we're going to do first. After that, we'll see how the Holy Spirit will take us, and um, how God will lead us is what we're going to um, follow um, whatever the Spirit of God is going to bring before us. So, Matthew chapter 19, and I'm going to read from verse 16 onwards. Matthew chapter 19 from verse 16 onwards. Now behold, one ma- one came, now behold, I'm reading from the New King James Version, so if you if you want to follow with me, you can open your Bibles to the New King James Version, Matthew 19 from verse 16 onwards. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Let me read it again. Behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? If you have a notebook with you, you can write the word question and put this question there. Write it down. This is the question that was asked to Jesus Christ. So just write that question over here. Who came and asked? One man came. One person came. And he asked Jesus this question. After that, verse 17, you're just going to put Matthew and just write this down. So he said to him, who Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. I'm not going to go into the whole passage again because we have an entire message on this. I would encourage you to go and listen to this, re-listen to this. But there are certain aspects that the Spirit of the Lord will want me to bring out tonight and that's what we're going to focus on. We're not going to repeat the same thing. So Jesus brings out his answer with a question first and then he is giving the answer. <clears throat> so, you have the question that the man asked, and you put the answer. What answer did Jesus give? Write the answer down. First is, why do you call me good? He's addressing that. He's addressing the title, and he's affirming who he is, and then he's proceeding to answer the question that the man 
came for. So the answer is here. We're also going to go to the other Gospels also. So just patiently follow through, but the Spirit of God is going to take us. We're going to go back and forth as the Holy Spirit would want us to. And um, so in this chapter, in this book, Matthew, the Holy Spirit has recorded certain things very specifically. In Mark, the Holy Spirit records something very specifically. In Luke, the Holy Spirit records something very specifically. I'm just admitting somebody here. Yeah. So, when we see these three sections or three different books of the Bible, written by three different authors, but the common author of all the three books is the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why God records something in one book, something else in another book, and then something else in another book. And it's important to look at everything that the Lord says and exactly the way He says without reading into it or hyper-spiritualizing things which God has not said. So we look into what the man asked and the answer that Jesus gave. And one thing we have to understand before we do any study of the Bible, if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus Christ as a man, Son of God, taught in a very simple manner. His teachings were very simple. He didn't make anything complicated. That's why he used parables. And then he explained the parables to his disciples. He spoke something, and when he spoke, even a child can understand. But there are times when whatever he spoke, it was deep, and the disciples did not care to ask. Sometimes it says that they were afraid to ask. And other times it says that they simply said something else and they were just concerned about something else and they just didn't bother asking Jesus Christ. Other times they would ask, what is the meaning of this Lord? And then Jesus would explain. But if you look at it, the whole goal of Jesus Christ, whether he was talking to his disciples or he was talking to the Pharisees or he was talking to a common man or an official, whoever it is who came to Jesus... With a question, his intention was always is for them to understand and he will always give the right answer. Jesus is not somebody who will stump you with something so that you go and figure it out on your own. He's very simple in his approach. That's how the Holy Spirit is. That's how God the Father is. He always wants us to understand. That's why. Even in the Old Testament, you'll see, he will spell out, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. You do this, you're blessed, and you do this, you're going to get yourself into trouble. This is the way to life, and this is the way to death. And he'll also say, choose life. See, there's no one in this world who will lead us so precisely. It's more than even spoon-feeding, I should say. Our God is so not only gentle... But he wants us to inherit everything that he has, not only eternal life, but everything that he has along with it. So with that understanding, it's important for us to read the word of God simply for what it is, for what it says first. So just let's do this first. Verse 17 says, So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. But if you want to... Enter into eternal life. Keep the commandments. This is the answer Jesus gave. 
keep the commandments. Now, he gave the answer, what do you have to do for an Old Testament believer? You keep the commandments if you want to enter into eternal life. Now, what Jesus said did not contradict anything that God spoke through Moses or through the prophets, did not. Because the commandments were given by God through Moses to the children of Israel for them to keep it. And we saw about this um, when this message was preached. So my phone keeps shutting off the battery. Yeah, so God gave the commandments for us to keep because the commandments of God, they are life for us. So we live by it, not just for us to be blessed over here. It's actually for eternal life. Old Testament saints, Old Testament believers, the children of Israel or anybody who comes from outside and becomes an Israelite, they were required to keep the commandments of God and they were supposed to offer sacrifice for their sin. You have the same thing happening in the New Testament except it's different. We are supposed to keep the commandments of God in the New Testament and we are supposed to Repent for our sins. We are supposed to have that sacrifice which Jesus came and fulfilled it. He is the sacrifice, the lamb that was sacrificed. And so because he has offered that sacrifice, anytime we sin, we take him as our sacrifice and we go to the Father and we repent for our sins and we receive our forgiveness. Now repentance was also required in the Old Testament. Old Testament prayer, it's not that, oh, you just did some sin and then you just go and offer some lamb. No. Repentance is required. You also see in the Old Testament that if anyone does sin, knowingly, presumptuous sin, they, those people will have the consequence for the sin. We have the same thing in the New Testament also. And now, very important to see when you read further down here, Jesus gave the answer. You need to have eternal life. Keep the commandments. That's the answer Jesus gave. Now, the man is asking, which ones? Which commandments? I explained this also last time. There were ceremonial commandments. There were the Ten Commandments, moral commandments. Commandments pertaining to one's soul. And then commandments pertaining to one's body, hygiene, and, and you know, ritualistic commandments and all those things, purification and everything. So Jesus clearly says over here, the commandments that you need in order to inherit eternal life is the commandments that pertains to your spirit, where God said the ones that he gave on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, those are very important. And Jesus takes the commandments and he gives some of the commandments that he is giving here, that he's saying when you look at it, these are the commandments see, when Jesus is telling this man, when he's asking which ones, he's specifically bringing the commandments that relates to presumptuous sin. You look at it, if you go to um, Romans, you go to what Peter says, Apostle Peter, through the Spirit of God, and Apostle Paul through the Spirit of God, and Apostle John through the Spirit of God, and whether it's in, the, in Revelation or it's in the Epistles, you know, wherever it is in the New Testament, you will see... Those who murder, those who commit adultery, those who lie, and all these people who fall under these categories will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Old Testament law that God gave and the New Testament 
category that God says over here, who will inherit the kingdom of heaven, who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, is clearly spelled and it does not contradict, contradict each other. We have to understand that they both complement each other, does not contradict. Now, if you look at Old Testament, New Testament, this I have to keep in your mind. In the Old Testament, if it's, it's like, you know, um, I've said this before, a bridge, the bridge that is made, and everybody's using the bridge for, you know, a number of years, and then after some time, a new bridge comes, and this bridge is closed, and you're using this bridge to get to where you need to get to the destination is the same. But there's one more step forward, which is, say, you are studying, you know, in a university, you know, like myself. I was, you know, I was, when I enrolled in, in my university, they had a policy. And I, when I got enrolled, so the tuition was this much and the rules were this much. And then after a few years, there's a major change that is coming to the the uh, institution where the tuition changes, the policy changes, everything changes. But you know what happened to all the students who were enrolled before that policy took effect? The rule that was there in the time that they enrolled, their time period, that stays for them. And then the change that takes place, that's going to be effective when the new students come in. Once this rule becomes effective and the new student comes in, then that rule becomes effective for them. That's our Old Testament, New Testament. The college is the same, everything is the same, but there are some changes that come. And then that changes take place. Now, when you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament laws are given by God, and it was given by God through Moses from Mount Sinai. And the law that Jesus brings up here, that was given by God through Moses, one of you know a few of the Ten Commandments, you see here, don't commit murder. That's not uh, such a hard thing to do um, because unless somebody has a big problem, they're not going to go do this. Fine. Don't commit adultery. Same thing. But there are people who will and who will violate it. People who don't have self-control and people, you know, who who have a big problem uh, with immorality and lust and things like that, who let their minds wander. But there's no details given over here. I'll come to that in a few minutes. Then don't steal. People who have a problem in that area, they will, but it's not a major problem. These are things people can do. And then don't bear false witness. These are things you can do. If someone says that these Ten Commandments are hard for me to keep, then there's a big problem, you know, in the area. So the the problem that God hit, and a lot of times people, when it comes to loving your neighbor as yourself, Many people will become selfish, but you see Elizabeth Zacharias, they kept all the ordinances of God. And you have many people in the Bible who kept the ordinances of God. And, and Jesus brings this commandment here for this man with this question. And he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so the important ones that Christ brings to this man over here in this situation 
these specific commandments and Jesus brings that and the man says Lord I have done these things or I've kept all these commandments from my youth what do I still lack so there's a question the man is bringing before Jesus Jesus said these are things you should keep if you do this you'll inherit eternal life that's the answer that Jesus gave Jesus is not somebody who is going to trick you and try to see, you know, how, you know, what you're going to know. Even to tricky people, Jesus was a person who spoke a parable, a good Samaritan story, and then he told him in a very simple manner, just go do the same thing. So God's heart is to explain. When God, when you ask God a question, the answer will come out exactly the way you should do it, like a good parent, and he is the best father. This is the answer Jesus gave. And then the young man is asking, Lord, all these things I kept, the things that you're telling me that I can go to heaven, I've kept all these things. What do I still lack? He's bringing this up and he's asking, so what is that that is lacking in me? Jesus did not say this, understand. Jesus never said this. Well, let me tell you what you must do in order to inherit eternal life. He didn't say, well, I'm telling you what is missing in you that is keeping you from eternal life. Jesus didn't say that. It is important for us to stick to the scriptures the way it is. Jesus didn't say that. In all three passages, he never said that. And I'm going to show you in depth as to why and how this translates to us in our current day living. I've spoken on this, the same passage many times before we have recordings on that as well. It does not contradict at all. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor. You will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. Jesus never said that over here either. If you want, if you want to inherit eternal life, go sell everything you have, come and follow me. Then you will have treasures in heaven and eternal life. He didn't say that. There's no mention of eternal life here. We have to be very, very careful. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus did not say that. Well, good, you you kept all these commandments, but you know what? You have something missing. You have violated the first commandment, or you have violated the second commandment, or you have violated... No, Jesus never said that to him. He never said that. You could look at the entire conversation. Jesus never said that anywhere. So what did Jesus actually say? Clearly it says in the Bible, what did he say? He said, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. This was a call given by God to this man to follow Jesus, just like the rest of the disciples were given the call. The rest of the disciples took that call and they went after him. There's nowhere in the Old Testament where God demands anyone to sell everything, to give everything to the poor in order to gain eternal life. Nowhere has he equated that to loving God with all their hearts, mind, soul, and strength. No. Whether it's a rich man or whether it's an average man, when that call comes, not everyone will respond to that call. God did not demand anyone to do such a thing in order to inherit eternal life. You can go all over 
the Old Testament and see. See, we have to understand anything the scripture will bring up will have a backing in the Old Testament. This is the period of the Old Testament where Jesus was, where this man was when he came to see Jesus Christ. So now, we can take this section and God can speak to us as New Testament believers as to how when God calls, we we have to respond to the call. And if we live a consistently disobedient life, then we may not, we will not go to heaven because no disobedient person consistently disobeying with a lifestyle of disobedience will enter into heaven. But that's for the New Testament believer when it comes to the Holy Spirit speaking in a in a manner where he says, you need to get rid of this, you need to give up this. And if it's a presumptuous sin, related to presumptuous sin, then it'll lead you to hell. But when it comes to a decision such as this, there's nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible, where God says anywhere when he gave his commandments that this is how it is, that if you're rich, you have to give up everything and you have to follow me and um, follow Moses there or follow Joshua there or give everything to the poor and give up. And then you have to live, you know, a lifestyle of no wealth at all. Now, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of Israelite people and a lot of Christian people, we even today, who go to church, you know, who have wealth. And you tell them to give up everything, leave everything right now and go, go take care of that church or go. You won't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow. Go. Most people will not go. God never says that anywhere in the Bible that if you give up everything and go, then you're going to go to heaven. God never said that. And so we cannot bring that here and say, oh, this is what it would have meant because Jesus said this when he talked to his disciples. I'm going to get to that in a few minutes. We have to really clearly stick to what the Bible says. What did the guy ask? What did Jesus say? This is why I'm going to take you to the other two passages as well. Jesus said this. Exactly what it was said in the Old Testament. Exactly what God gave through Moses. You keep the commandments and you live. And the commandments are very simple and straightforward. And when the Bible says in the Old Testament, when the Bible talks about idolatry, it strictly talks about idolatry. We cannot take the Old Testament and spiritualize it and bring the New Testament into the Old Testament. We cannot do that. But we, however, we as the New Testament people, God can speak from the Old Testament and God can use that in our lives so that we can move forward, so that we can be purified. However, we cannot take the New Testament principles and apply it to the people who lived in the Old Testament people and condemn to hell, condemn them to hell, saying that God has sent them to hell because this is how I think it says in the New Testament. So this applies for them in the Old Testament. We can't mix rules over here. In the Old Testament, when God spoke about idolatry, <coughs> he spoke about the heathen gods. He spoke about idols. He spoke about images. He spoke about people worshipping other gods, graven images. That's what he spoke about. When God said, do not commit murder, that's what he spoke about. But in the New Testament, if you get angry at your brother without a cause, then you have committed murder in your heart. The whole rule, law, everything changes right there. <coughs> in the New Testament period, 
because we as God's people know we have been given Jesus. We know we have nothing to do with any graven image. Anything that we hold about the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts and the new for us, that is an idol. We can't take this and bring it as the law for the Old Testament people. When this man lived in the Old Testament period, this man was under the Old Testament law. And that's why Jesus gave him that answer. He said, you keep the commandments. That's how you go to heaven. <coughs> that still applies to us as New Testament believers, because we also ought to keep the commandments. Both Old Testament and New Testament people can only keep the commandments if they have faith in God. If the faith is not there, then it's just works, which disqualifies us because you're just monotonously doing and you won't even be able to do it properly because how can you do something if you don't believe in it? You're not going to do it right. So the whole thing will be fake <coughs> and it'll be a lie. But obviously when you look at this man, and I'm just only going into Matthew right now, we are going to go into Mark and we're going to go into Luke. But when you look at this man, this man obviously was a man who had faith in God. And I talked about this before. He had faith in God. He was not a godless man. He was not a rich man who was like <coughs> most of the rich people who had no fear of God, who just lived for themselves, who, you know, who had no regard for eternal life. No. This man was a man who had that fear of God, who kept the commandments of God, who had faith in God, and who wanted to know more, who cared about eternal life. That's why Jesus gave him that answer. When he said, I kissed the commandment, Jesus would have brought it up right there. He didn't do that. He said something after this man asked, Lord, do I lack anything, anything more I should do? You want to know more? Then he gave more. If he wouldn't have asked that, the answer ended right there for that question. We have to understand that. It would have ended right there. But the man went further <coughs> and he asked, Lord, what do I have to do? Now, there are many places in the New Testament where Jesus talks about eternal life. Now, this is only pertaining to this. And we have to also have this in mind that he's talking to the people who were under the law. So we can't take just this and narrow this and say, okay, this is all we need. No, we need Jesus Christ for our salvation. Our rules are very different. Yet, it has the same foundation from before. So we have to look at this or we read it. For us, what is God speaking to us? God takes the things from the Old Testament, just like how God did through Apostle Paul, brings it to us so that we take that and then we have much more added to it because New Testament requirement is more. And sometimes people say this as, you know, the Pharisees and Sadducees, Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees and Sadducees, you will in no way inherit the kingdom of God. When you look at it, the righteousness of Pharisees and Sadducees were hypocritical. It was not true. They were doing things as an outward show. So what is God saying there? He's saying, what you're doing must come from your heart. When we see the word of God, when we read about the Old Testament period, especially while Jesus says these things, we must understand this is about a man 
answer given to a man who was living under the law and this is what the law said this is the requirement and Jesus is simply stating that back to him when he asked for more Jesus didn't say well go sell everything and come and you will inherit eternal life that's not what he said he said you will have treasures in heaven this is what you're going to have in heaven come follow me now up to this point if he were kept all the commandments of God, he was qualified to go to heaven, to inherit eternal life. According to the law, the Old Testament, according to the words of Jesus Christ, according to the words of God the Father through Moses, according to all the prophets that God has spoken. Yes. Now, for a person who leaves everything and follows God, what happens is where Jesus says over here, so Let's just go to verse 22. He forfeited, this man forfeited the great possession that God was going to give him in heaven for the small great possession that he had on earth. So the trade-off <coughs> Jesus showed for this man who was a um, candidate for heaven. He said, you can have this. In heaven, you can have so much wealth in heaven. Just give this up and follow me. He was not willing to do that. For him, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to leave all these things because I have to leave all these things and follow. Then I have to face family, I have to face all these things and I have a lot of wealth and a lot of things involved. There's the Old Testament. Like I said, God never never in any place in the scripture called anyone to sell everything and give to the poor and follow. You know, in that place during that time Jesus was a prophet before their eyes or to follow any prophet, leave everything and go. Then you'll have eternal life is not what God said. Elisha gave up everything and followed Elijah and he inherited hundredfold along with eternal life. So we have to keep this in mind that the condition in the Old Testament stays the same for the people in the Old Testament who were there and it did not change. What Jesus was saying was, this is what is required, but what do you lack? This is what you need in order to fill it. As we see even in James, he says, you're all doing this, but let patience have its perfect work. Then you will not lack anything. You will be made perfect. There is a state for that. Now, there are times when people say, no, I'll just settle with this. And you settle with this, what happens? You forfeit what God has for you, then there's a plan B. You know, you can repent and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I wish other people, God will call them to leave everything and go somewhere. They'll say, no, I don't want to go. They'll want to go, and the family would say no, and they'll not, they'll end up not going. And they'll feel so bad, they say, Lord, and you know, I wish, you know, I would have gone 10 years ago, I didn't go, but God would have sent somebody there to do that ministry. And that person will get that hundredfold, plus eternal life. But this person would have forfeited that hundredfold, and there's a plan B, and whatever small things after he does, is going to go towards him. Because he did not go and worship idols. See, if this man would have left everything, if this man would have just said, oh, I'm not going to keep the commandments of God and I'm just going to go and, you know, drink my way and I'm just going to go and, you know, keep my everything to myself. This is a man who loved his neighbors himself and he even kept that. 
And this is the reason why Jesus called him to be his disciple. God doesn't call anyone and everyone. The call of God really comes to people that God sees they can be a good candidate for that call. Jesus called this man to be his disciple. And it's only to those who are going to be his disciples is the call for forsaking everything and following Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, however, there's a big distinction here. In the New Testament, every believer is called to be a disciple. You make disciples and you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then they have to go into the apostles' teaching. So the whole thing changes. For New Testament believers, the teachings, why Jesus gave such teach- teachings while he was in the face of the earth? Was it to, you know, uh, tell those people who are living? No. The teachings that Jesus was giving, he was teaching those people, I was primarily, he was paving a new way for what was going to happen. We have this Bible. The disciples got that. And shortly, because only three and a half years he was there. And in three and a half years, he gave all the teachings pertaining to what the new covenant people we should have. And he placed it into our hands. Whatever the old covenant people should have, he gave it in the hands of Moses and he placed it into their hands. When the veil was rent into two, when Jesus said it's finished, that's when everything changed. And the people who went into that after that, they go into everything that is different than the Old Testament, which says, now I tell you, the Old Testament says, don't commit adultery, but now I tell you, if you look to a woman for a lust, lusting after her, you have already committed adultery in your heart. Now the whole definition for adultery itself changed because of the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ who came into this world and paved the way for us with his blood. It's a big change. But the Old Testament, it was the animal sacrifice. It was the animal blood. And God gave a rule, a law, which was similar, but it was different. They had all the ceremonial things to do. But when it came to this murder, don't murder. It was the letter of the law. Don't commit adultery, don't commit adultery. New Testament, it goes into the spirit of the letter. Different. <clears throat> so, sorry. So we should not... We should take the Old Testament principles that God has given because we see the Holy Spirit drawing the Old Testament into the New Testament. But never pull this from here and apply it to the people over there. It doesn't work that way. We can pull that from here and apply it to the people going forward because the New Testament is drawn from the Old Testament with far more changes. But the... New Testament cannot be taken back into the Old Testament. These rules cannot apply for that. And we cannot spiritualize and make a doctrine out of it for those people that it can apply to us. These things that Jesus told can apply to us now. But it cannot apply to the people back then because Jesus himself didn't say it. So what Jesus didn't himself say it, we can take it and spiritualize it and then and say that that is for him. So thereby, he didn't go to heaven. We cannot say that. But Jesus didn't say that. If he would have at some point gone back home and he'd have said, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to go today and I'm going to just, 
you know, live it, live it the way I want to live it. I'm not going to keep the commandments. And, and if he would have turned away from God at that point and did not keep the commandments and start doing whatever he wanted to do, then it could, it would have definitely disqualified him at that point from going to heaven. So this is why during that message, the Lord had me mention this very clearly, which is you start running a race and everybody has a track. You can run. But just because you ran up to the middle doesn't mean that you won already. No, you have to run until you reach the finish line, until you know you've made that mark and until you cross that border. You're not done yet and you have not won yet. So you have to persevere, you have to endure, you have to keep running. Also at this point, the Holy Spirit wants me to say this, we are not competing with one another. No, this is not like a race where you have somebody running and you're running and you have another person running and you have another person running and then you're all going in your own track, but you're competing. No, Christian life is not competing with one another. Christian life is making sure you stay on your track and you finish the goal, you reach a goal, you finish the race within the time that is given to you. That's the key. If I just take my sweet time, when my life ends, I may be somewhere in the middle, <clears throat> sorry, not fulfilling the call of God that God has for me. And then that puts me in a very dangerous place at that time, because God can turn around and say, I never knew you. If we do the works of unrighteousness and don't run the race that God has for us because we just decided that we want to get caught up with the cares of the world. So anybody at this point, whether it's an Old Testament person or a New Testament person, can do well like this man. And Matthew calls this man, young man. If you look at Mark and if you look at Luke, it doesn't call him young man. So if you look at the passages, it could be different people. It could be. It doesn't make, you know, a big uh, issue out of it because whoever it was, this passage says a man. The other passage, you know, talks about a man who is older and who is a ruler. This passage doesn't say that he was a ruler. The other passage says that he was a ruler. And this passage says that I kept this, you know, I kept the commandments. Uh, I did keep the commandments. I kept the commandments. And if you look at the other passage, it'll say that I kept the commandments since I was young. Whereas in Matthew, this man is young. So there are, there could be two different, maybe the person in Mark and Luke were the same people. But Matthew was different because if you look at Matthew, the commandments that Jesus gave over here, the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, is not in Mark, it's not in Luke. So so it could be two different people, we don't know, but you know, it's not a big thing over here. That's not the that's not the point here. Whether it was different people or was the same people, the the story is the same. Where two people could have came around the same time, different people could have approached Jesus the same way, could have happened. We don't know. We didn't live there. But one thing we know that the answer is the same. The answer that Jesus gave to these people is pretty much the same. The five commandments that Jesus gave in Matthew, in Mark and Luke, they all stay the same. The commandments that are different in Matthew is very different. The one commandment is very different than what you see in Mark 
and Luke. Mark and Luke is more closer. So Luke has only five, that is in all three. But Mark has one more extra which says, don't defraud. So Mark and Luke are like more um, um, similar, I should say, when it comes to both the pastors saying that we, uh, I kept this, you know, since I was young. But in this passage in Matthew, he was a young man himself. Like I said, these are minor things, not a major thing for us to worry about. However, whether it was to one person Jesus spoke or two persons Jesus spoke, he gave the answer, very same, same answer. Now, after he spoke the answer to the people, he is turning to his disciples and he's saying something. That's what confuses a lot of people. That's why people think that, oh, maybe he went to hell. <clears throat> maybe he didn't go to heaven. Maybe Jesus said, you know, he that he's not going to heaven. If he's not going to heaven, Jesus would have told him that. Because he came to Jesus and he asked him, Jesus is not somebody who's going to just trick somebody and then tell them uh, something else and then send them and then, you know, gossip about them to his disciples. No, that's not who Jesus is. Jesus is taking that and he's teaching his disciples eternal principles here. We cannot confuse this with the direct answer that Jesus gave to the man who came earnestly and asked him for something. This was not somebody who tried to come and trip Jesus and trick Jesus. No, no. If that would have been the case, the Bible would have stated that. As in many cases, say they came to test him or tempt him. No, he sincerely came. And Jesus loved him and sincerely he gave that call. He really wanted him to be, become his disciple. And so, <clears throat> Jesus saw that this man had potential. Jesus saw that he's a true follower. He had faith in God. And Jesus said, he can really benefit. He can be blessed. God wanted to bless him. Now I'm going to take you further down. Let's hear this, 22. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. That's what happened at that time. So when Jesus gave him that answer, <coughs> he was sad. The man became very sad, because now he had all these things. You know, he loved God, and he got up and he worshipped God, and he kept the commandments of God, and and it was God who had blessed him with all these things. And now <clears throat> Jesus is telling him to give up everything and go and follow him. It displeased him. He did not have the insight or he did not have the faith. This is where the big problem was. He had faith in God to keep the commandments. But he didn't have the faith in God, to let go of what he had in order to pursue what God had for him. So faith plays an important part. You know, I talked about this, little faith, great faith, before through the Spirit of God. But how the disciples had faith when they saw the the winds and the waves to go and wake up Jesus. They knew if we wake up Jesus, you know, he'll do something about it, we won't die. They had faith for that. But they didn't have faith that if Christ is in this boat, nothing will happen. And they all didn't sleep like how Jesus slept. Different levels of faith. This man had faith in God Almighty, faith in, in His Word, faith in eternal life. And because of that, he kept the commandments of God. And because he had faith in God and faith in eternal life, he wanted to make sure that 
He had everything and everything was secure. And if there's anything more that he needed to do, we must understand that people have different levels of faith and sometimes because they are attached to certain things, they don't give up because it's not only the attachment, it's faith that we need to have to value what God offers and to understand that if I let go, if Jesus said I will have treasures in heaven, then I will have treasures in heaven. But faith that what he said is true that I will have treasures in heaven. He came to Jesus looking for the answer. And he got the answer that he wanted to, which was keep the commandments. But when he pressed for more, Jesus gave more to him. And in that more contained a call. In all three Gospels, I'm going to take you to Mark and Luke in a few minutes. But I want to bring it here. So Mark and Luke will go pretty fast because we're dealing with basically what's there in here with little variations there. So now Jesus turns, verse 23, and said to his disciples, Assuredly I say to you that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. This is where people think, oh, that means he didn't enter. No, this is a generic statement that Jesus is telling his disciples to teach them something. Now, if you look at rich people, there are a lot of rich people, including Boaz, who all entered heaven. You have Abraham, who all entered heaven. Jesus Christ is not saying that. He's not categorically saying that. Rich people, it's impossible. They're not going to go to heaven because they're all attached to riches and, and they don't have any value for God. No. What Jesus Christ says over here is, when the riches for a rich man <clears throat> puts him in a place where he has no faith, where he does not follow God. Same thing applies for a poor man. There are many poor people in hell, many middle class people in hell, many rich people in hell. Hell is not just full of rich people. Why is he just bringing this concept here? We have to understand, it's not about this rich man in particular that Jesus is talking about. He's using that moment to teach them a concept here. Because even in the disciples' mind, they all, all people think that, oh, rich people, they get everything from everywhere. They can even go to heaven. Rich people are the first ones who will go to heaven. That's what was in their mind. That's why the disciples are saying, when Jesus said, it's not, it's very hard. They say, what's going to happen to us then? If they can't go, what's going to happen to us then? Look at how their minds were programmed because they had access to everything. Rich people had access to everything. You can be a rich person and you can be someone who feared God and keep the commandments like this man. Jesus never turned around and talked to the disciples about this man saying that he's not going to go to heaven. That's not what he says over here. He's speaking a generic principle here. That it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Overall principle. 
What is the principle to enter into the kingdom of heaven? What he says over there? To keep the commandments. Whether it's a rich man or a poor man, if you don't keep the commandments, according to Christ, and according to God the Father in the Old Testament, you cannot go into heaven. And then he says here, again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because if you look at people who have a lot of money, they don't even think about afterlife. Why should they even keep the commandments? Like we see the story of Lazarus and rich men. Well, people who say, I have this, I don't have to go to heaven, or, you know, I'm enjoying right now when they'll commit adultery, they'll drink, they'll do all kinds of things. But this is a rich man who was different. This is a rich man who kept the commandments of God. This is a rich man who impressed Jesus to the extent that Jesus called him to be his disciple. And he said, you will have riches in heaven. He didn't even say that to Peter and other people because the moment Peter was called, Jesus knew he was going to leave everything and come. This man had a lot. And Jesus was talking to him in terms of business. Look, you do this, this is what you're going to get. Leave that. See, he didn't say, see, it's not even about you have money, go sell everything to the poor and just go back and live a life of of uh, poverty. That's not what he meant. He was not even against the riches, Jesus. The main thing Christ wanted him was to, just like with anybody, when you come to follow Jesus, you leave everything and you follow him. That's it. You turn and you go. And it was a, it was a heavenly call that God called this rich man with. So we have to understand even this scripture that we are reading, we have to read it through the lens of the answer that Jesus gave through the lens of the entire Old Testament that God has given. What is the qualification that God is looking for to enter into heaven? There's nowhere did God say that, well, this is what your idol means that you have to forsake everything if that means you're violating. No. The commandments that God gave is very clear. Very clearly he spelled that. Any time he talked about idol, it was an idol. Very clearly. Unless there were places where God called, like the children of Israel, do not touch that garment. Do not touch the gold there. Do not touch those things there. When God gives a specific thing saying, that's cursed, don't touch that. And then you have somebody like Achan, who goes against what God said and took it, from the place that God said should not, and it's a cursed thing, then that person is cut off. See, someone being cut off from the people of God in the earthly sense is a reflection of the person cut off, being cut off in heaven also. Those are things that God very clearly, explicitly stated in His Word. We cannot go by a single verse and just read it through something in one verse and then make make a doctrine out of it. The Bible, whatever we read, has to have scriptures that back up everything. And it has to go with this man, which time period he lived. Jesus was talking to this man who was given the Mosaic law. And he kept that. Jesus never said he did not keep that. And we should not spiritualize this and say, well, by this, 
Now, we can bring it to the New Testament where we can compare to our lives and say that, okay, by doing this, this could happen, so we should not be less different. But we cannot say that he went to hell, he didn't go to heaven. But we have no place to do that. We shouldn't be doing that. And that's not what Jesus said. Even Jesus himself did not pass the judgment on this man, neither should we. So, now Jesus says this, Again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So this is, again, a generic statement that Christ is speaking to the disciples about rich people. For a rich person who does not keep the law of God, that God said in the Old Testament in order to enter into eternal life. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, when you bring this down here, verse 25, when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Think about this. If he's saying that rich people cannot, are these also rich people who have so much? No, then why are they thinking? Who then can be saved? That means everybody is all, you know, rich all over? No. Why will they ask that question? This is why Jesus brought this to the disciples. Jesus looked at them and said, this is what he said to them, with man this is impossible, with God all things are possible. So what is he finally saying? This is all possible. You know why? The working of God in the heart of men can be only done by God, whether they are rich, middle class or poor. Whether they belong in the Old Testament period or in the New Testament period, the work of God must take place in the life of every single individual. It's the faith that comes from God and human beings, they take that faith and they put it to work. And that's how they get saved. God gives that faith. You take God's faith and then you obey His commandments. And all that God said in the Old Testament was, you do this and you will live. And again, nowhere in the Old Testament, nowhere in the entire Old Testament, has God told people, you forsake everything. Now, because I called you, you didn't do it. Now, you don't have eternal life. He never said that, and Jesus didn't even tell this man. So we cannot take this and say something that God never said in His entire Old Testament. On the contrary, when Elijah called Elisha, Elisha gladly left everything. It was a call that he went into. Same thing for Peter, Andrew, James, John, and Thomas, Bartholomew, all the disciples. Jesus called Matthew. Whoever Jesus called, they left everything and they followed. Now, salvation is a work of God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It comes by faith in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. That's why even all those who were bitten by that fiery serpent, they were told to look to that bronze serpent that's there, that was made, to remind them of their sin and what happened. When it's lifted up, repentance. When they had faith in what God said through Moses and they did what they had to do by taking the eyes off of themselves and keeping the eyes on that, all those people escaped. All those people who were meant for death did not die. Faith is the key.
and faith in the commandments of God that God placed for people in the Old Testament. Very explicitly God said that you do this, you will live in. It's very plain. Nowhere did God say that forsaking everything or doing it this way when it goes to taking it to the letter or to the spirit of the letter did God say in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was the letter of the law and New Testament was the New Testament is the letter and the spirit behind the letter. So that's the difference here that we must understand and know and um, settle it, settle it in our spirits when we read passages like this. Now Peter says over here, after Jesus says with man, this is impossible, but God, all things are possible because God works. God is the one who worked in Abraham's heart, rich man. God was the one who worked in Job's heart, rich man. God was the one, you know, who worked in Isaac's heart, rich man. God was the one who blessed every, you know, people who followed him, who kept the commandments. God was the one who blessed this rich man. And so God is the one who worked in his heart to keep, you know, for a man since he was young to keep the commandments and to say that I kept the commandments, that shows his faith and his character. It was God working in him. So when you see that, with God, this is possible. These are rich people. Really, were devout followers of God and kept the commandments of God. These are rich people. With God, it's possible. Now, Peter is asking this question. This is very key to this passage. To all that I've explained to you now through the Spirit of God, this is very key. I will take you to Mark and Luke, and that's going to be very brief because most of the passage is covered, and like I said, only minor variations are there. Well, we should, we should go to that so you get a clear picture. So then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? What shall we have, Lord? We left everything and followed you. That man... He want to leave everything he had to follow you, but we've left everything and followed you. What do we have? Look at his answer. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. There's a key over here. What is Jesus telling Peter? Peter, if you leave these things, what will happen? In addition to eternal life, you will have all these things. He did not say this to the rich man when he said that. Because the call for him was to become a disciple. If Jesus would have said that, it would have been a whole different thing. If Jesus would have said, well, the answer to inheriting eternal life is all, leave all these things, then you'll have a hundredfold and eternal life. If you would have added that over there, if you would have said that you have treasures in heaven and eternal life, then you have to really think about that statement. But Jesus didn't say that there. Because what he said went perfectly in line with the entire Old Testament and commandments from God. When he's talking to Peter here, he says this. He says, look, in addition to eternal life, 
you will get what? Because you followed me, the package that comes for following me is this. May God help us to understand what the Spirit of God is speaking to us through His Word. From Matthew chapter 19. Many who are first will be last and last first. Let's go to the next section that we want to, which is Mark chapter 10, verse, I'm just going to click on him, Mark chapter 10, verses 23 to 31. Let's go here now. Actually, let me scroll up more. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 onwards. Let's start from verse 17 onwards. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Now this we don't see. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we see do not defraud as the extra one here. Now do not defraud is more like the commandment that is in the Bible. It's like a shortened version of do not, you know, um, covet and take other people's donkey and wife and you know all those stuff Jesus brings it up here and this man that we see here is a man that says Bible says that he came, came running knelt before Jesus and he's asking the same question and like I said before doesn't make a big difference you know if we want to make it big we can but doesn't make a big difference Nevertheless, it's good to understand the differences here because it's a reason why the Spirit of God has kept those differences in the Bible. So, uh, these main five um, um, five um, commandments that Jesus gave in Matthew is also here, where the sixth one is different. And then we see Jesus say this. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. That's where the difference is. In Matthew, the man was a young man who came. And this person says, I've kept this from my youth. So obviously he's not the young person that um, would have kept it from the youth if he's young already. So he is saying this. But one thing that is consistent with this passage in Matthew is, he says that I've kept these things. <coughs> Excuse me. So, when he said this, then Jesus looking at him loved him and said, One thing you lack, go away, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. Now if you put this and Matthew together, where you see, even if it is like, okay, that person was different, this person was different, you know, doesn't make much of a different, like, difference, I said. But if we think that, okay, maybe this all could be different, a same person, if you look at it, the man over there in Matthew is asking, Lord, what do I lack? And then Jesus says, go on to perfection it. Over here, we read Jesus saying, oh, this is one thing you lack. So, even if you put these two passages together, 
this is how you'll read it. That he comes to him and he asks him this question and, and Jesus says about the commandments and he says, I kept all these things. And then he's going to ask, what do I lack? And Jesus says, one thing you lack. And then if you want to go on to perfection, then you go here. What is missing here is there. What is missing there could be here. So we cannot isolate a passage and then build a doctrine out of it. We have to understand. There are certain times, certain details that are left out from here and there. So somebody can say, well, if he is, if these are two different people, the answer is still the same. If they are the same people, maybe, um, you know, some details are left out. But the problem here is when you look at it, the before and after looks very similar. That's why I said it could be two people who could have came at the same time, but the answer is still the same. The answer is here, even if it's, it's the same person, but one records it as a young person, the other one records it as an old. And then if you look at Luke, it's a ruler, where it doesn't the other passages don't mention him as ruler. But one thing that's common in all three passages is they were all rich. That's common here. Jesus' answer seems to be pretty common except for some variations in the commandments that Jesus said. But the commandment that Jesus said in the first one makes a big difference in his answer. And the call also makes a big difference. That's a difference here between. Those two are like very big differences here. Those are not minor ones. But if we believe that these are all the same people, then the right thing for us to do is to put those scriptures together. To say, what did Jesus really say here? What was the question? He asked this question... And Jesus gave the answer the same answer. The first one has love your neighbor as yourself. It's a very important one. If that is not there, then there's room for confusion, but that's there. And if he wouldn't have said, if you want to be perfect, it's not that, then there's room for confusion. But the Holy Spirit has recorded that in Matthew very specifically. This is how God has revealed it to me. Which is the question here, the answer here, and he asks, what do I lack, Lord? And he says, this is what you lack. If you, want, if you want to be perfect, this is what you lack. And then he went into the answer. If we take these out and put them in the wrong order, then there's room for confusion. But our main answer, primarily, you know where it lies? It lies in the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, the reply that he gave to him, which is backed by the entire Old Testament. That's the most important thing out of everything. No scripture will stand by itself. It has to be backed by the Word of God. Especially a topic, a topic that is so important like this has to be backed by the Old Testament. What God gave for the people who lived during the Old Testament. So, let's just continue reading this. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Then Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Come, take the cross, take up the cross, and follow me. Now, again, when you see this, there's a call for discipleship. When you look at it, Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would like to be my disciple, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. And... um this is not something that God gave to people in the Old Testament. 
This is the deeper call that Jesus is calling for people that he's training to put them into that new covenant to go into that ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ that Christ had. Because he counted this man worthy. This is not something to trick him and trip him. No, Jesus never does that. This was a genuine call from the Son of God. Unfortunately, this man turned that down and became a big loser in that area. Big way. We don't know. If he regretted and repented, we don't know. So we should not go into further speculation, try to, you know, try to build a story out of it. Leave it right there. That's between him and God. Well, our whole goal is, our whole aim should be, what is in it for me? What should I learn from here? What is God speaking to me? Because I'm a New Testament believer now. I don't want to be sitting and thinking about the Old Testament man, about him. But as a New Testament believer, yeah, I should be careful with my life. If God calls, I don't want to squander that. And I have to make sure, as the Lord said over here, the five commandments that he said still are valid for us in the New Testament. Where the Bible clearly says, there's a list that says, these are the people who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So when you read the Bible, it's important, just as we have to say, see, there are many things that Jesus has spoken. He talks about being born again in order to inherit the kingdom of heaven, being baptized. There are a lot of verses there. It's not just, you know, you just sell the you know possession, just follow him, that's how you get to heaven. No, that's not what Jesus said over here, by the way. There's a call for discipleship. There are many scriptures that shows what it means to inherit eternal life as a believer. And then, what are the things, if you do, you will not inherit eternal life. Clearly, Bible spells it out. For the New Testament believer, and that's what we need to focus on if we want to know about those things and teach others about that. And also, for us, we as New Testament believers... We have been given the responsibility because Christ shed his blood and he's given us his Holy Spirit. We have the power to keep the spirit of the letter of the law, not just the letter. Now, Jesus says that's why he came and he paved a new way. He said, in the Old Testament, in the Old Commandment, it was that the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But now I tell you this, there's a change. All the Old Testament people were judged by the Old Testament law. Whatever Jesus came, whatever he came, he said, Now I tell you, now I tell you, now I tell you, now I tell you, now I tell you. All those take effect with Jesus Christ into the new period, and we belong in that period. So our whole focus is about us. What should we do? All those now I tell you and whatever he said, now it all belongs to us. So those are things we have to, that's why all the red letter words of Jesus Christ is very important because it pertains to us. All the teachings he gave, it all belongs to us. It all belongs to us. Because the Lord knew it's all going to go into the Bible. He was teaching his disciples, teaching all those people who need to hear that and and go forward, pass it on. And that's how we have the Gospels here. They heard it and then the Spirit of the Lord used it to write it so we can all have it. Like I said, it was a short time where Jesus preached and then he was gone and whatever he said took effect. So that's why he preached. He preached, he lived it out and he was gone and everything took effect. Because suddenly 
with that old old covenant <coughs> turned into new the period <coughs> sorry of the old covenant came to an end suddenly when Jesus was crucified it came to an end so we have to keep that in mind it is a call for discipleship and he went and then Jesus says the same thing over here Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of heaven it's like a blanket statement but he's clarifying no he's saying oh if they have riches how hard it is and he's telling the people how hard it is for people who have riches see that over here how he's talking he's not specifically talking about this man he's talking in generic terms about people <clears throat> how hard it is for people who have riches to enter the kingdom of heaven and then he says this when the disciples asked him the question I've explained this from Matthew so I'm not going to go over this again but you see over here something the disciples were astonished at his words Again, when Jesus said the statement, it's like a statement that's jolting them, making them think. Wow, they thought, if rich people can't enter in, what's going to happen to us? The whole statement itself shows the value system. They thought that rich people were going to heaven. That's not how it is. It's whether rich or poor or middle class or whatever it is. Those who keep the commandments of God will enter into heaven. That's what God said in the Old Testament. That's the rule for the Old Testament people. So they're all like thinking like, wow. Astonished. And Jesus says again, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter into the, enter the kingdom of heaven. Because if you don't trust in God, you cannot keep the commandments of God. If you don't trust in God, you are not going to obey what God said in the Old Testament in order to gain eternal life. And God says this over here, Jesus says here, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. This applies not only for rich people. For any person who has unbelief, any person who trusts in anything, and who does not keep the commandment of God, cannot go into the kingdom of heaven. But God is trying to use this moment to teach the disciples. You know, just like you see certain passages, Jesus will say something and suddenly he'll talk about something. You can't link this with that and try to make a story out of the previous one. Christ takes that and he's speaking something to these people to provoke them to think and ask questions because now he is teaching there. His conversation with this man is over. He answered him. Now he's talking to them, taking them deeper. Jesus looked at them and he's saying, this is possible because it's the work of God. With God, all things are possible. Why would you say that's not possible? Then, you know, say it's possible. Then once again, God wants to show this, the work of God. That God does in the life of rich people and every human being to 
trust in God to be able to keep the commandments of God, to do what God has told them to do according to the law of Moses. So Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, 28, let me read that. Then Peter began to say him, say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, <coughs> Sorry. Surely I say to you, there's no one who has left house, or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. See the word gospels over here? <coughs> this gospels was not there until Jesus came and they followed Jesus and they began to do the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. This gospel was not there in the Old Testament. Jesus saying something new here. This is the New Covenant, New Testament, discipleship training that Jesus is giving here. And he says, Who shall not receive a hundredfold now this time. This has nothing to do with salvation here. This has nothing to do with the salvation of the Old Covenant believers here. No. Jesus is talking about those who followed him as disciples and he's saying, Who has left, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, the sake of Jesus and the gospel. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with the persecution and the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last shall be first. Jesus is again saying this. And now in Mark you have a little more detail here as to what this is about. He's saying you'll get all these things and you'll get persecution also. In addition to the eternal life. So eternal life comes by you for the Old Testament people keeping the, the commandments of God. And for those Jesus called to follow, which now the New Testament turns, those who really answer the call of God and forsake everything, degree of sacrifice, right? Even now, to what degree we sacrifice for the Lord, according to that, there's a reward. And the reward comes here and in the world to come with persecution, with trials. And, you know, when we do more for God, we'll face more. We get blessed more too. So that's what Jesus says over here. And this is the package that you guys will get. Because you've left everything to follow me. And this is not for eternal life. This is for all the disciples who have forsaken everything to follow Jesus. This is what you're going to get in addition to eternal life. May God help us to understand the depth of these sections that the Spirit of God has recorded here in the Word of God. Just let's go to Luke, one more section. Luke 18. 24, um, I'm just going to go up a little more. I think it's bring up from where I was here, <clears throat> from this Bible. Luke 18, verse 18 to 21. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Here we see the difference, that there's a ruler. But it could all be the same. If it's different, it doesn't matter. But 
we're just going to focus on the content here. So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. Again, we see the five commandments here. We don't see the sixth one here, which the Lord mentions in Matthew, which is love your neighbors yourself, and in Mark, don't defraud. So, 21 says, he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. We don't see this in Matthew, and that's the difference I uh, had pointed out before. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Again, I've explained this already. We're just reading this passage just to finish it off, wrap it off, and I'm going to repeat the same thing and again. But when you simply look at this, we see what he asked in Matthew. What do I lack? And Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, this is what you lack. And according to the Old Testament, this is not what God has said. You need to do in order for you to inherit eternal life. And that's not what Jesus said also. So this is the call for discipleship that Jesus called this man and in this um, mark it has summarized a little bit and not the detail that we see in Matthew or some of the details that we see in, in Mark I should say Luke over here it's certain places it's brief so that's why it's good to read the rest of the um, passages and above everything have the Spirit of God illuminate. What is it actually? What's the heart of God? And uh, what is the truth behind this? And most importantly, what is it for me? And so if it is for me, then it translates into a whole different thing because now we're in the new covenant. And when God calls us, we should say yes to Him. And it's a blessing for us. If we live in continuous rebellion and disobedience, we will not go to heaven. So that we have to understand. We as New Testament people, we've given more, we'll be required more. The Old Testament people, under whatever light they've given, they'll be judged according to that. We have to understand. So we can't mix rules here. So when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. And then we see Jesus says over here, Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful. He said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, See, we have left all and followed you. So he said to them, Assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brother or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. So we see here, <clears throat> this is a little bit um, slightly different than the other passages that we read here, worded different, 
where it says you are going to have this in this life, in this present time, and in the age to come, eternal life. It's different than what God said over here. God said that you will receive here hundredfold and rewards in heaven with eternal life. This doesn't have like this. This just says eternal life. So certain passages, certain things are abbreviated and left out. So it's important for us not to take just one section, like I said, and make a doctrine out of it. We need to know that every passage has to have a backing, you know, with something else that God has said. And then that has to definitely reflect the heart of God that is throughout you know, the Bible. If it's the Old Testament, the Old Testament. If it's the New Testament, the New Testament, then New Testament will back up um, itself with the Old Testament. So, so praise God for um, the section that the Lord um, has recorded in the Bible. That yes, what is impossible in the sight of man is possible <coughs> with God. And for whatever we see that is impossible in our sight, that we see in our lives, whatever may be impossible looking, it's all possible with God. So whoever you are praying for, whether it's a rich person, whether it's an average person, whether it's a healthy person, whether it's a sick person, whether, you know, somebody in addiction or somebody, you know, who claims to be, they have no problems, whatever it is. With God, it is possible. Without God, salvation is not possible regardless of who they are. God is the one who works in a person to will and to do His good pleasure. <coughs> Whether it's in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, it's the work of God. So, our for our concern, we have to focus on our lives and we have to see, what is this concern? with my life how does this relate to me we saw during the fasting prayer first day with Matthew chapter 19 when God calls you don't say no always say yes because the rewards and the blessings that God has for us comes from his heart having loved this man he called Having loved us, God calls us. <coughs> so anytime God calls us, never say no to the Lord. Second day, whatever God is telling you to do from His Word, always know that you and I, we, being His people under the new covenant, the new Israel, washed by the blood of Jesus anything we do for the Lord carries a reward on this side and in the world to come with persecution the blessings of the Lord will be there and in order to receive eternal life we must do what the Lord has told us to do in the New Testament, where we must repent for our sins, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all our hearts, have His blood cleanse us, and then we must become His disciples in the New Testament. That's what Jesus told His disciples to do. 
he made disciples, he trained them, and then he sent them out and he told them, now you go, preach the gospel, make disciples, and baptize them. And then teach them all the things I've taught you. So we as God's people should think about the cost of discipleship because we have to be his disciples in the new covenant period. Every believer is called to be a disciple. Every believer is called to deny himself, herself, pick up the cross, his cross and follow Jesus Christ. And only when we are his disciples can we partake of what God has for us, whether it's the communion, whether it's the baptism. Without being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, we cannot partake of the Lord's table. We cannot partake of the water baptism. And only to those who are his disciples will God give the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Only his disciples were there in the upper room. For New Testament believers... Discipleship or being a disciple is a basic requirement that Christ has set for every single follower of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not that, okay, we were Abraham's seed and we were born there, we are an Israelite, we keep the commandments. It's, it's different now in the New Testament. Every person makes a choice to follow Jesus by faith, just like in the Old Testament. But now you've become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever Christ has told us to do, we have to take it very seriously. And whatever Christ has told whoever to do, if it's in red letters, really read that, because it pertains to us. Because everything is for the New Testament people. And we have to take it in. The most beautiful thing is whatever God has spoken through Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter, Apostle James, Apostle John, you know, in the New Testament. They all come from the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, they expound more on it. And it all belongs to us. So we need to take the word of God very seriously. And we need to move forward into the call that God has for us. And according to the New Testament believers, we're all in a race. And we're all running for a crown. Very different uh, system now. So we have to think about our lives, think about our call, think about our crown, think about our gold, and be faithful to God in every way that God has called us to be. That at the end of the day, the world know that we did not run in vain. That we were not slothful in anything that we really lay down our lives for the sake of Christ because now Christ is involved as Jesus told his disciples over here right here he said for my sake and for the gospel's sake the gospel comes in the picture now we know what the gospel is so the scripture that's mentioned there it pertains to us it's relevant to us we need to take that and we need to make sure that we are doing what we should be doing. And make sure that we run well, we don't get distracted, we don't stop anywhere, that we continue to run the race that God has called us to. So today's message is a further 
explanation, expansion, but also something that God is bringing before us to really draw our attention to what we should be doing, how we should be living, how the words of Jesus Christ is for me, for you, for us, for living during this period. Where we have to look at our lives and say that to have I forsaken all. And like I said, Jesus is not telling but to leave everything and you know. Sometimes he will. Sometimes he may tell you do something for some people. Different things could be, but a lot of times people bring presumptuous sin into this context, no. Presumptuous sin is sin. Presumptuous sin will go straight into the category of idolatry. Fornication. Idol worship. Those are all presumptuous sin. Adultery, immorality, pornography, watching unclean things, listening to unclean things, engaging in unclean conversations. All those go under immorality. No immoral people will inherit the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says. So just <clears throat> understand that. That also goes under the commandments that Jesus mentioned here. So we have to make sure that we don't have any part to do with those things in our lives. And whatever Jesus spoke to his disciples that pertains to us, we need to understand that. We are his disciples. We need to understand that. And we have to make sure that we follow Christ. And that man, whether it's a rich young ruler, rich old ruler, doesn't matter whether he was a ruler or he was a rich man. He was a rich man, whatever it is. Whether he went to heaven or whether he did not go to heaven, <clears throat> it's a chapter that's over. Based on how he kept the commandments after that, and he continued and what he did with what the Lord said, everything is between him and God. God who judges every heart and every motive, he is very fair and he knows what to do. He has not said anything explicitly in the Bible and we should not say anything either. But we need to look at our lives before God. We need to see <coughs> where we stand before God. Are we in a place if Jesus would tell us to do something, will we do something right away? Because it's re easy for people to look at him and blame him. If God would tell you to do that today, will you be able to do it instantly? Just leave everything? Leave everything and go? Will you be able to do that? It's very easy, right? When we read it and just say that, well, he didn't do the then, you know, will you be able to do that? And when you look at the disciples of Jesus Christ, they all did it. And may we be like that. Anything that God will tell us to do, and He includes family, houses, everything. You had these four people, minus Judas. Sad. Do you see even Judas who left everything and who lost everything? May we never be like that. Had a good start. Pathetic middle and end.
<coughs> we need to be people who have the same excitement we when we started running have the same excitement in the middle the same excitement when I say same there has to be the height of excitement if you didn't start with that excitement then may you grow in that excitement of following Jesus Christ let Jesus be a passion may you be willing to lay down everything so that you can gain Christ you never say no when God calls you <coughs> like I said there are times when somebody can say no and then God will go to someone else and then you lose that in the area <coughs> or when people repent God gives them another chance and there's a plan B that God has never go into presumptuous sin because presumptuous sin will take you straight to hell. We need to know the difference between these things. And we need to run after Jesus Christ from the bottom of our hearts because we want to. You know, God has had me speak on this before. We love Jesus because we want to. We do things for Christ because we want to, not because we have to. Even though we have to have that healthy fear. We need to grow. We need to have the healthy fear of the Lord, that reverence for God. At the same time, there has to be deep affection and love and passion for God. Whatever He calls you to do. That our love for Jesus should overtake everything else. You see, there are different degrees in love. We can really love someone and we'll be willing to do certain things, but not certain other things. We can say, well, I love you so much, but I can only do so much, not more than that. But then you have a deeper relationship where you will say, no, no, I will do this for this person. Then you have a very deeper relationship, <coughs> such as your own children and your spouse. That's a whole different level of love. And then for some people, more than the spouse, they love themselves. Some people, you know, they love their spouse more than themselves. So certain things, they don't care when they eat. They may not, you know, even eat with what they would give their spouse. They would eat very less and they would give their spouse something more. Like they may have, they may have just plain rice and give the husband chicken and things like that because they love their spouse more then they love themselves. But it's just a test of love. To how much are you willing to give up? <coughs> but nevertheless, that love is there. But to what extent that love is there? Do you look at the, the man? I just call him the man, the rich man. This rich man had love for God had faith in God but then there are degrees to what extent we're willing to give up to what extent we're willing to follow to what extent we're willing to to suffer loss <coughs> but that loss always translates into gain but like Ruth came she had nothing to hold on to but she gave up what she had she gave up everything she knew 
like the widow's mite. It translated into great riches before God Almighty. May we be like that. May we be like that. May our love and our loyalty to God be so outstanding. Nothing can come between us and God. Not just say it, nothing will separate me and when it's time. We just flee. I just try to hide ourselves saying, not me Lord, don't call me. Call somebody. Let somebody do the sacrifice, not me. Oh, I don't want to take the pain, let somebody do it, not me. Let your love be strong enough to overtake everything that may appear to be difficult. But because your love for God is stronger than the most difficult thing that is in front of you, even the most difficult thing doesn't seem like it's most difficult because you are so passionate that you want to do what God has called you to do. Shall we close our eyes and look to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. <coughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. God of the impossible, who said with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. It's God who works in us to do His will. To will and to do His good pleasure. It's God who works in us. And we thank you, Lord, for every work of yours that you have done in the lives of all the people that we see in the Old Testament. Including the life of this young man who was able to keep the law of God, who had the desire to do so, and who had the desire to come to you, not just for some benefit, but truly seeking you. And I thank you, Jesus, that you take the time for every single person. And with much love, you talk. We thank you for the deeper truths that you instilled in the lives of the disciples, and because of that, we have your word before us, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your teaching on true discipleship. <coughs> we may not have any idols in our lives, O oh Lord, that may keep us from inheriting what God has for us. As this rich man's riches given by God and God said use it the way that will benefit you give it away and come it's going to be a blessing for you because those riches were given by God to benefit him translate that into heavenly riches and he was not able to gain from that riches oh God how he missed it 
you gave him so much into his hands so that he can translate that into heavenly wealth and he missed it because he held on to the riches and did not value the riches offered by God in eternity. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. May we never be short-sighted. May we never have our priorities wrong. We as New Testament believers, may we never have any idols that would take the place of God. Almighty. Well, we may never go like the children of Israel going after other gods and worshipping them. Oh, Father. Entertainment or family or friends, pleasure, money, presumptuous sin. May have no room in the lives of people, Lord, that they may inherit every blessing that you have for them. Let not the enemy use anything to stop them from receiving what you have for them, O oh God. We as your people were bought by the blood of Jesus and will live under the new covenant. Oh Father, may we be people who will value the blood of Jesus or value the spiritual wealth that you've given to us, O oh Lord, and to use it in a sacred manner in a manner that would honor you with utmost reverence and fear. Whatever we do, whatever we offer, including our bodies as living sacrifice, let it come out of a broken and a contrite heart and with utmost reverence for God Almighty. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. May we never say no to Jesus. May we always say yes to Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, the rich man didn't have the understanding that this was God in flesh standing in front of him. He saw him as a good teacher. Help us to have our eyes open that we may see you as the King of Glory. The revelation that he had that you're good brought him to receive the answer from the living God. The revelation that the disciples had during the time of the call With that revelation, they made the wisest choice one can ever make to becoming the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a great privilege, O Lord, you've given them in the midst of much suffering and persecution and martyrdom. They will sit with you to judge the twelve tribes of Israel. And you have much more in store for them, O God. What a privilege. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
whatever you have for us, we may not fully understand or fully know. All we know is it's all good and far beyond our understanding. So I pray, having read these eternal truths from your scriptures, may we strive to live like those who gave the all to you and strive to stay away from the faults and the mistakes of those who made and forfeited what you had for them, Father. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Father, for these truths that you have placed within the pages of your holy word. Thank you, Father. How that man ended, you know. And we are called to look at our own lives in the light of the scriptures that you've given to us much more than what this man had. So I pray, help us to live our lives in this world, as strangers and pilgrims, with the blessing that you've given to us, that we may be able to translate our wealth into eternal treasures of God. That's the reason why you give it to us, to use it all for your kingdom. So I pray that we may continue to follow you with everything that is within us. And I pray that you will continue to entrust into our hands wherever you want to, so that we can translate all those into eternal wealth, O Father. Thank you for these eternal principles that you have placed in the pages of your scriptures so that we can see and we can live our lives wisely. Anything you give to us, you give to us so that we can be a blessing to to you and multiply those things and translate into eternal treasure. Thank you, Jesus. In this world and in the world to come, may we gladden the heart of the Father. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, O Lord. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs>